You're no longer the audience. You're now the army. Apostle Tomi Arayomi, it's great to have you here on Charisma News. Um, I know we're doing a series on what is God saying about 2024, and you actually, you're, you're not at liberty to release the, the, that full word yet, but what God has given you the permission to do is to share these seven tips or seven strategies for his people to be ready for 2024. So I'm just going to sit back and let you release this word, and I'll just kind of ask questions as, as needed in between. But thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing what God has been speaking to you. Well, it's great to be with you again, John. And um, I, I really believe that the Lord is preparing us to um, benefit, actually, from 2024 and beyond. You know, prophecy is for our benefit. It's ultimately not so we can just uh, prognosticate. Neither is it so we can be naysayers. It's so that we can point people God's people to areas where they need to be aware of what's coming. So even if it's bad news, it can actually be good news because you had the heads up. Mm. So some of the things the Lord's begun to speak to me about, um, he gave me seven prophetic things to really prepare God's people for 2024. I believe the scripture says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro about the earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect towards him to show himself strong on their behalf. And so that means that right now the spirit of God is looking at hearts. He's measuring our heart posture, our heart alignment. Just like when he was looking for a candidate to be king over Israel, he found David, who he said was a man after his heart. And this is particularly important for 2024 going forwards, because Isaiah, the prophet, offers this great indictment against Israel. He said, I saw that there was no man, uh, that, and I marveled that there was no one to stand in the gap. In other words, uh, the Lord is always looking for a candidate. He's always looking for somebody who he can exalt, who he can lift up, who he can promote in the land. And I really believe 2024 is going to be that year where you're going to start to see unknowns becoming known and knowns becoming unknown. There's going to be almost a shift where those that have been hidden for a season uh, for this time, hidden in frustration, hidden in obscurity, we're going to begin to see them rise to the surface. Or just as the scripture says, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none more righteous than him, blameless and upright in all his ways, as Job 1 verse 8. And we see this throughout scripture, you know, God looking, finding Noah, a, righteous, a man of righteousness mm. among uh, a morally decadent people. So why is the Lord saying this? I believe he's saying this because darkness is going to get darker. Uh, the, the darkness, the Bible says, will cover the earth. But the darkness we're going to feel in 2024 going forward is going to be akin to the Egyptian darkness, you know, where mm. the Bible says a darkness that could be felt. This is like a demonic darkness that has a touch point to it. And although the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
we're actually going to see the enemy taking on more physical form, whether that's through politicians, school boards, teachers. We're going to see it get worse. The Bible calls them the rulers of the darkness of this age. That's mm. physical people. I think the word there is cosmocratic, physical people who have taken on demonic assignments and have 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 basically become epithets or servants, just like the Bible talks about Bar-Jesus or Simon the sorcerer. People mm. have really taken on the identity that this is who I am, especially in America. Sorcery is going to become a more real practice. Um, wow. You know, witchcraft is going to become more a forefront um, uh, uh, battle from from different all kinds of angles, and we're already seeing those things take place. But who's the Lord looking for in the midst of that? Blameless. Somebody who hasn't bowed his knee to Baal. So 2024, the first strategy is be blameless or at least mourn evil. You know, there's a scripture that talks about the people that wept at the evil. God, godly sorrow that works repentance that place where people see evil around them and they're weeping for the evil. Like Habakkuk, why do you let my eyes behold this evil every day? I see it. And God responds because he, he responds to blameless people. Blameless doesn't mean without sin. Blameless means that I, I'm not going to be a part of the reproaches and the things that people are doing, hmm. the world is doing. And, you know, get this, John, even that the church is doing, mm. that, that there, is a, there is a remnant of people who are not going to become a part of uh, uh, um, suedo church culture. They're going to embrace a kingdom culture that's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Lord said that it's time to release the gathering anointing again. This is more of a message for pastors and leaders of churches, that there has to be the release of a fresh gathering anointing. COVID scattered us, but now we are no longer in the COVID era. We are now in the gathering season. And, you know, you could say a million things COVID came to do. COVID came to kill elderly mm -hmm. people you know COVID came to you know really attack uh those who are dealing with or predisposed conditions but really the enemy's assignment for COVID was the scattering of the people god's mm. assignment for COVID was that all of the things that could be shaken were shaken so we saw mm -hmm. a lot of churches shut down we saw a lot of agendas and ideas being brought to the surface, opinions yeah. that weren't biblical being brought to the surface. But now that we're no longer in that COVID era, we're now in, the Lord calls it, a fresh gathering season for the sake of the harvest. Now, who's God, God gathering? God's not gathering the harvest. He's gathering the harvesters. And mm. you've got to convince the harvesters that you're no longer the harvest. You're now the workers and we've got to equip you, not enable you. You know, we have a church now in Houston, and there's a gathering together, and we're telling them constantly, you're no longer the audience, you're now the army. You know, God needs an wow. army, and you're it. And so there has to be a fresh gathering anointing. Why? 
because the evil day is approaching. And Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 25 says, not forsaking the gathering of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and in so much as we see the day approaching. And so as we see the evil day, the response of God to that evil day is assembly, not gathering for the sake of serving teas and coffees. No, an assembly of the saints together and a mobilizing of the saints means one should chase a thousand, two shall chase ten thousands. And so the Spirit of God is looking for those gatherings in the earth again. He's brooding over the gatherings because there's an outpouring now. And it's not going to be just an outpouring for revival. It's going to be an outpouring for reformation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible actually talks about four R's that are going to take place in the end times. Repent, the Bible says, return, that times of revival or refreshing. So first R, repent. Second R, return to the Lord. So we can repent and not return to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I love, you know, people say, we're praying, why is things not changing? No, if my people call by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face, pray. Right. We can, that's all repentance. And uh-huh. turn from their <laughs> wicked ways. That means return to the Lord. So it's one thing to say, I'm sorry from. It's another thing to say, I'm accepting this. So we can be sorry mm. for and still not accept the new. You know, it's mm. like marriage. You know, you can say, I'm sorry for what I did, but still not change your behavior to a more righteous way of conduct that pleases your spouse. Mm. We can say, oh, we messed up here, but still not accept that there's a lifestyle, you know, the thing that shocks me is Christians don't believe that there's a lifestyle. Even the LGBT community know that there's a lifestyle if you want to be in their community. In Christianity, if you want to be in this, holiness is the lifestyle. None of us go to a restaurant and uh, if we see stains on our plate, choose to let the, the person serving us put the, the, the clean food on the dirty plate, we say, excuse me, the plate's dirty, excuse me, the cup has somebody else's lipstick on the edge of it. And yet we want to serve God from unclean vessels. And God's like, no, my standard is still going to be number one, holiness, blamelessness, mm-hmm. without which no man can see the Lord. Um, but number two, there has to be a gathering for a new outpouring. And that means, you know, Ezekiel beheld a valley the valley was full of dry bones and the bones mm-hmm. were very dry and God didn't abandon the bones. The, the Bible says, he said, prophesy to the bones. Why? Because the breath needs bones. We can't just prophesy and ask God, pour out your spirit and there's no structure. Spirit needs structure. He needs a skeleton. He needs a gathering of, mm. of the army together so that the outpouring can come. So he says, repent, return to the Lord. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of God. That's the third R. And he will send Jesus Christ whom the heavens must withhold until the reformation of all things. So the final R is where the church hasn't got to yet. We love revival. Thank God for revival. But if all you do is keep resuscitating us and we die again and you resuscitate us again and we die again, 
Reformation is meant to, revival is meant to tilt into reformation. Revival is meant to tilt us out of falling over and rolling on the floor and all of that is meant to spill over into, okay, how are we going to make earth look like heaven? How are we going to make <laughs> the kingdoms of the world reflect the kingdom of our God and of his Christ so that he can reign forever and ever? That's the place now in this final revival, God is saying, I'm holding back the revival until you have your reformers on the ground. Wow. Now, what does that look like? It looks like Elisha's already pulling a plow. Elisha is not there uh, just waiting for revival. No, he's already got his instruments ready for reformation to till the ground. Hmm. And so that means, that means now in this hour, training is coming upon revival. Uh, the, the anointing is coming upon education. The anointing is coming upon intelligence. The anointing is coming on people with a brain, people that know what to do now that they've been revived. That's the hour we're coming into in this next gathering. Number three, the Lord says, work out your exit strategy from your job or into jobs that will matter beyond 2030. This was a crucial one. And, you know, I, I've been saying this for a while, but for, uh, I think it was Forbes magazine that came out with an article. I can't remember if it was 300 or 600 million jobs that will be lost by 2030 to artificial intelligence. And so the Lord said, now it's time to work out your exodus. Exodus is a huge word uh, uh, in the Hebrew. It's, it's a relative of the word ecclesia, where we get the call out ones from. Ek, mm. meaning to leave or to flee. Ecclesia, meaning to come, come out. Exodus, meaning to run from. What were they running mm. from? They were running from their jobs. They had horrible bosses called taskmasters, who afflicted them cruelly uh, in a season to build structures for Pharaoh. And so we're actually in a season where 2025 will be the halfway point, the Lord says, of that exit strategy that is going to be commanding a lot of people. I've got calls everywhere. God told me to leave my job. God told me to step out. And I'm earning, I'm earning five figures. I'm earning six figures. I don't know why the Lord would tell me to do this. Because there's a movement out of jobs into sustainability. You know, mm. jobs are archaic now. The idea of a job is as, as archaic as the idea of our education system. Our education system is years out of date. But our education system trains us to step into the job market and not into the area that I believe the Lord wants us to step into. And look what the Lord said, which was really interesting. Let my people go from their slavery, that they may worship me on this mountain. Mm -hmm. And so God wanted them to be freed up enough to worship. He wanted them to be freed up enough to spend time with him. That was the whole goal of delivering them from their terrible job market. It was like, I need them to worship me. And I'm not going to take, and that word worship is the same word bondage. Let them go from their bondage. It's the same word. In other words, 
God wasn't freeing them uh, from slavery. God was freeing them to slavery, but slaves of Christ, Hmm. slaves of the Lord, not slaves of the systems of Hmm. the world. And so we see this again in the woman who was bent over for 18 years, couldn't straighten herself up. And look what he says. He says, anyone who sees an oxen tied down doesn't, doesn't he just on the Sabbath go ahead and release that oxen? But what's he releasing the oxen to? You release the oxen from the stalls to carry a load. The good news about Christ's mm-hmm. load is it's light. It's mm-hmm. easy. It's not, it's not as terrible as what you're under right now in the systems of the world. It is a light yoke. And we're in a season now where God's people are going to have to choose which master they're going to serve. And I love what the Bible says because your, your biggest master isn't Satan. Your biggest master is money. It's mammon. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're shifting the time now. And whatever job you had before, you're going to see them becoming redundant. Just yesterday I was on the plane and I was watching this news article about Amazon, and it's like otherworldly. If you look at their factory that they just built, they have robots now doing what humans used to do, and they put out a promise. We're not replacing humans, we promise. Yeah, right. I mean, in a few years, I mean, these robots don't go on lunch breaks. These robots don't ask for vacation time. They don't ask for maternity and paternity leave, you know, whatever that means. They, they're they working 24-7 round the clock. And so we're gonna, we're already in that era now where if you're not working out your exodus out of the job sector or into jobs that will matter past 2030, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, Genesis 47 verse 1 says, So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all they own have come from the land of Canaan and are in Goshen. And he chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh, And he said, what is your occupation? I think this is going to be the most crucial question of the next few years. What is your occupation? What's your job? What are you working right now? Whatever job you're working right now, whatever occupation you're tied in right now, ask yourself, is it going to be around or is there some robot that can do my job much better than me? And if there is accountants, if there is graphic designers, if there is web developers, if there is news anchors, it's time for us to begin to make the shift into whatever sectors uh, of job or business or investments that are going to actually make room for us and our families. Number four, the Lord says, run away from money and choose to invest in the best parts of the land. And I don't, I don't believe God wants us to be foolish with money and not stay liquid. I actually believe that liquidity is good. You know, without liquidity, you can't buy food. But I, I actually believe there's a strategy in the season we're stepping into that the Lord wants us to build asset-based lives and not income-based lives. And that means that now we've got to get wise with money, number one, or align ourselves with people that are wise with money. So that's two things you can do there. You can either admit you're incompetent at money and, and be like Ruth and say, Naomi, I'm following you. I don't know anything about this bread and, and, and 
economics, but your people, my people now, your God, my God, where you die, I die. I'm, yeah. I'm joining your course. I'm subscribing to your life. <laughs> I'm going to be here forever until, until I get brainy enough to figure this out. But right now I'm just going to align. So two things you can do. You can either align with people who are heading in that direction teaching in that direction, training in that direction, pastors and leaders that are speaking in that direction. You know, those, these are the people now we got to align ourselves with because we're going to have a dichotomy past 2025 of why we're not going to have a church of, you know, divided by black against white or Asian against, you know, black or whatever. The dichotomy is going to be wise people against foolish people. And the Bible says the foolish people expected the wise people to provide for them during a time of, 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 uh, uh, of the bridegroom coming. And right. the wise people looked at the foolish people and said, no, we, we actually, the reason we're sleeping is because we've actually invested. We've, we've bought our oil. Don't, don't, don't sleep just because we're sleeping. Get about your day and, and do some work. And so run away from money. And choose to invest in the best part of the land. So that means that now if you're one of those people that God's speaking to about property, about land development, don't just invest in anything. Invest strategically mm. in parts of the land that you know are going to bless you and your family years down the line. I mean, you look at the man Naboth who Jezebel killed and you realize why he killed him because he had a, a plot of land that was right next to the king's house. I mean, that's, that's like, that uh, asset is so expensive mm -hmm. that uh, Naboth said, no, you're not touching my portion. I, I, this is my family's inheritance dating back years. So you gotta work your way into the best parts of the land because whenever there's a recession or something's going on in the land, remember, you have to remember around this time, this famine, it's, it's the best parts of the land that are going to stay buoyant. And so Genesis 47, 14, and Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph bought the money into Pharaoh's house when the money from the land of Egypt and Canaan failed. Mm. That's the operative word. Money is going to fail. Money is getting ready to fail. And we're going to see what people have called their savings, their you know, life savings. And I've been telling people specifically, watch out for Wells Fargo Bank and, and, and different banks. Watch out for closures, massive closures, because you know, we're going to see something shifting economically and it doesn't mean money goes away because according to, I think it was Occam's law or whoever it was, you know, energy never gets destroyed. It just gets converted into something else. It means we've got to find where it's been converted into. Mm -hmm. So when the money from Egypt was gone, the Bible says that the people became slaves. They became mm -hmm. slaves of the government and slaves of Pharaoh. And so, you know, when, when money fails, the scariest word in, in the world, according to Reagan, was we're the government and we're here to help. Right. Because that's right. exactly what happened. In Joseph's day, the government came and said, we're here to help. And, and Pharaoh, Joseph's Pharaoh was benevolent. 
the Pharaoh that rose up after him was not. Mm -hmm. And this is why Solomon says, I've seen a, a wicked thing under the earth. He says, a ruler rises up and then people hate him and they go for a younger guy instead that everybody loves him, but he's only there for a season and somebody else will rise up anyway. So, you know, America's obsession with elections has to give way to, hey, let's build the kind of economy that whether it's a Democrat or a Republican in power, we're okay. We're, we're buoyant. We're riding through whatever season we need That's to good. ride through because we're trusting in the Lord. We're not trusting in the White House. Mm -hmm. So uh, num uh, number five, uh, the, I think the, the body of Christ has got to learn to buy and sell. I believe the body of Christ has got to learn how to pay their debts. And I'm not talking about good debt. I'm talking about bad debt, especially during the time of Christmas. Please don't get into debt. I just see something so strong coming for 2024 in different parts of the world that is going to be such an economic shaking that you cannot afford to get into debt, like Christmas debt and all of these uh, luxuries that you can't afford. Like, you know, people, people go out there and they pay for expensive lives that they can't afford. Mm -hmm. And the problem is you have to keep it up. If you start that scam, you have to keep up the scam, you know. And so live within your means and then uh, don't live off of your income. Live off of your business. And I actually believe God is lowering the bar for everyone to be able to enter into this season of business. I really believe it prophetically. Because wow. the Bible says in Luke 19, Occupy till I come. That word there is pragmatiomai. It means trade till I come. Do business till I come. So there's, a, there's an anointing for skilled business. It's in Exodus 31. It talks about the spirit of God coming upon the people. And mm -hmm. it wasn't actually prophecy. Prophecy was the latter-day outpouring. It was for building, design, architecture, craft, business. So there's an outpouring in 2024. If anybody's willing to receive it, it's an outpouring that's going to make them skilled. It's going to make them successful. I remember when the Holy Spirit taught me how to play the piano. I, did, I still don't read musical notes today. He hmm. just supernaturally skilled me to, to play. And I became the worship leader of our church for almost three years. Wow. And, and I'm like, how did you learn this? I was like, I was just in my room. I said, Holy Spirit, teach me. And all of a sudden, he started teaching me. And so supernaturally, we're going to see skill coming upon the people of God. They're going to be able to do things that they couldn't hmm. do before. And wonder, how am I gifted in this you know uh, you know it's probably like you uh, all of a sudden you're learning how am I gifted in media all of a sudden how did I know how to work this camera how do I know how to fix this and and so it's the anointing that we got to recognize the anointing is coming upon people who are being positioned uh, for wealth transfers and I, I really believe that now how wealthy are people going to be they're going to be as wealthy as they want to be you know that's the that's the challenge you know wealthy for what sake well the billion soul harvest people talk about the billion soul harvest but they don't talk about the billion soul seed it's going to cost a lot we did crusades in africa every crusade cost us a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars every crusade in every village hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars sometimes upwards of 300 depending on the size and the stadium and all those things so we we need billion dollar 
investors. We need the Phoebes, the benefactors, the Amen. matrons and the patrons, those who can carry the anointing, great, but those who can carry the wealth to sustain revival as well. We need a calling forward of those people. And so uh, we need a buying, selling anointing. We need people who, aren't, who are living within their means. We need people who are building businesses, uh, not living off of their job. We, we need those like the, the widow. You know, her circumstances change. And hear, hear what the Lord said. You don't have to wait for your circumstances to change to shift into a business anointing. Remember that that woman, her husband died. The creditors are coming to take her kids. Bailiffs are coming around. I don't know if you call them bailiffs in America. We call them bailiffs in the UK. Tax collectors. Tax or, collectors yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know. The constable, uh, I guess, maybe. Yes. So they're coming to take everything. And in the midst of that, um, she seeks a prophet. And the prophet doesn't say, Shabba Baba, Rando Kushata, by this time tomorrow. No. What do you have in your house? It says, oh, nothing, just this jar of oil. And I, I believe prophetically, your next level is in your house. It's not some big idea. It's not some whoa, amazing thing and genius. It's actually just the thing you called nothing. It's sitting there right in front of you. Imagine her whole company was right in her house and she called it nothing. And all mm. of a sudden, the prophet gave her strategy. Here's the operative word of 2024. If you're going to succeed, it's not about products, not about services. It's all going to be about supernatural prophetic strategy. You're going to have to partner with the prophets and prophetic people to release strategy. You know, wow. there's so, so many simple, you know, you, you go to places like... Uh, I can't remember the name of that burger restaurant in America that everybody blows up about with the, the milkshake that has like uh, bacon in it. You know, uh, what's that? What's There's that actually place? several of those. Uh, I mean, oh. there, it might be In-N-Out Burger. It could be uh, Burgatory. Uh, There's one I can't remember off the top of my yeah, head. Shake now. Shack. You know, different. Oh, you're getting closer yeah. to Shake Shack, but it's not Shake Shack. <laughs> Steak and Shake? Oh. It's not Steak and Shake. No. It's popular. It's <laughs> very popular franchise. Oh, it's gone from my head. Anyway, this company, they, they sell burgers, and then uh, they give you the fries for free. They give you all the toppings for free. They give you, like, all the, everything else for free. But hmm. then they sell you this burger, and you're like, wow, this is a bargain. I get this burger, and I get all my fries and toppings for free. But what you don't realize is you're actually paying – in the burger, you're praying for the fries and the toppings, but mm -hmm. it's all strategy. It's all strategy. It's like a strategy that they've got that makes you feel like you're doing something, but you're actually doing something that works against your own interest in a weird way. <laughs> We're going to succeed in this season. Every business, every organization, Christian or secular, is going to succeed by partnering with prophets to release prophetic strategy over their businesses, over their ideas, their initiatives. There's going to be some divine revelation that's going to come just like it came to this woman. And she's going to all of a sudden see what she called nothing become a multi-million dollar oil business in a desert. And that's wow. exactly what happened. Her story turned around because she partnered with prophetic strategy. Amen. Those who don't partner with prophetic strategy are going to partner with the fear and the spirit of the world. And the best mm -hmm. analogy for this, again, 
is when Apostle Paul was stranded on his way to Rome and he prophesied to them, brothers, I, I perceive this journey is, is not going to end well for us. And the Bible says the centurion, God bless you. The Bible says the centurion believed the shipmaster over the prophet, mm-hmm. believed the professional over the prophet. Believe what the professionals were saying. And look, 2020 became the exaltation of this kind of professional papal intelligentsia. And they started telling them, believe the professionals, believe the professionals, believe the science. And we're now seeing the science wasn't correct. Mm -hmm. And those who told us to believe that they're orthodox are now reneging on what some of the things they said. We got to believe what the Lord is saying not what man is saying if we're going to succeed. A man's voice is going to get louder and louder, uh, climate this, climate that, and the prophet's voices have to be amplified as well. So in the midst of the noise, we can hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. And so, you know, the, this widow turned around her life. That's why I said, how wealthy do you want to be? As wealthy as you want to be. You know, she said, he said, borrow some vessels. He didn't say, borrow six. He didn't say borrow seven. He said, borrow some vessels. When, it, when Elisha was about to die, he told the king, strike the ground, strike the air. He didn't say strike it once or twice. Oh, how, how, how big do you want to, how, how successful do you want to be? How mm-hmm. big do you want to dream? You know, because you, you, the Bible says when the jars were filled, the oil stopped. So the, the secret is, Borrow as many jars as you can, and the oil's going to keep running. The secret is trust God as big as you can trust him to make you a conduit and a carrier of blessings for nations. And he's going to do exactly that. Uh, The next thing, I can't remember what number I'm on. We're on to six. We're on to six. So the Lord says, don't wait for World War III to, to be announced before you recognize that you are already crossed into wartime. And I think we're just waiting for this big announcement to come on the news. The world war has begun. No, in the spirit, wars are not declared in the natural. Wars aren't declared by Winston Churchill's. Wars are declared in the spirit. And the Bible says in Joel chapter three, verse nine, proclaim among the nations prepare for war. He said, prepare for war. He didn't say, let war find you. And all of a sudden you're anxious and you're worried and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? No, he says, be prepared ahead of time for a season of warfare. What does warfare season look like? I've never, I don't know if you've ever been, but I've never been in war. Uh, We haven't been in war since the GI generation uh, who who knew what wartime was? You know, maybe we should ask them some questions. You know, what what was wartime like? How did you how did you live during wartime? How did you survive? There are nations right now going through wartime, and us in our generation who have never seen it before, we're the ones sitting on the sidelines protesting and yelling because we've never experienced what real wartime brings. What does wartime bring? It brings casualties. It brings innocent lives being slaughtered. It brings chaos economically. It puts us in a place of survival. But I'll tell you what the biggest thing it does, it puts us in a place of self-governance. 
every time wartime struck, people became more self-governing and less reliant on government because government was busy fighting wars. And so all of these companies uh, we've seen set up or institutions we've seen set up in Britain, for instance, or even in America, you know, the Office of Foreign Affairs, the Office of this, the Office of Food and Safety, all of these were set up during wartime. Tinned food that we now, now stock our, 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 our houses with Tin food was from World War One and World War Two. When you were in ration, you you actually put your food in a in a tin. But after war, these institutions never go away. They just become stronger and stronger and demand more from us. But during war, people consolidate. People build their own security. People build their own wealth structures. People build their own survival mechanisms. I was in Nigeria for a year, living in a country where there was no electricity, no lights, no, none of those things. And, you know, we actually lived in the best part of Nigeria, uh, thank God. But uh, so we had some electricity, lights, all of those things. But there were, but we had to we had to hire our own police because there's no police system. Call the police in Nigeria, dial 911 in Nigeria. They ask you to pay for the petrol that oh, they gosh. need to come to the crime. And so it's, it's never a good thing. So you have to build that. There's no health care. You have to build it. There's no anything. And so people start building. Of course, it's very expensive. But in the long run, you become less reliant on government and the whims of government. And you become more reliant on the spirit of God, more reliant on things that he's showing you, more reliant on personal wisdom, personal safety, protection for your family, all of those great things. So prepare for war. The Bible says, beat your plowshares into swords. That means whatever was your domestic instrument before for a domestic life, you're going to have to learn to turn that instrument into a wartime weapon that's effective for where you're going. In other words, whatever job you were doing before, you have to shift that into and beat yourself Beating doesn't sound like a good thing, but beat yourself into something that's effective for the season we're coming into now. So the church has got to learn to do uh, that warfare. And final thing is you got to build your own Goshen's. You got to build your own Goshen's. What is Goshen? You know, Goshen is this place where the government has no uh, ability to touch. Goshen is the place where you don't become a victim of the whims of economies. Goshen is the place where you get delivered from the idolatry of election cycles. Hmm. It's the place where you actually come into being the president of your house, the president of your children, the president of your community. You know, you start building... You know, in the New Testament, it was Antioch. They started building these economic supply chains. When they heard that the believers were going through a tough time, they sent financial relief to those believers because Antioch was wealthy enough. I estimated Mm -hmm. the wealth of the Antioch church uh, from, I think it was Acts 19. I can't remember which scripture it was. But it was was millions of dollars, U.S. dollar equivalent, that the Antioch church owned. They were wealthy people. So anybody had an issue, it was like, let's just send them relief. The widows, let's send relief. Those in famine, let's send relief. Today's church, I believe, has to build some kind of economies within ourselves. Hmm. Now, you know, 
all kinds of people come to me with all kinds of ideas of what those economies look like. I, I don't know what fully it would look like. I wish I did. But I, I believe we have to build the kind of economies that when systems begin to fail, and I think one of them is, um, you know, I think one of them is agriculture. I think the church needs to go back to owning, owning its own agriculture, owning its own fa uh, farming animals and, and uh, cattle and producing wow. its own vegetation. You know, um, the first thing God put them in is a garden. The last thing God did when he returned and died, he, he, he came back in a garden. And uh, I believe that we're literally talking about moving back to, to, to sustenance and self-governance as opposed to relying on government structures. And that's Genesis 47:23. Then Joseph said to the people, now that I've acquired you and your land for Pharaoh this day, here is seed for you to sow in the land. At harvest time, you are to give a fifth of it to Pharaoh, and four-fifths will be yours. That sounds fair. But what happens when another politician rises up mm -hmm. who's not as benevolent as that Pharaoh? He's going to take that up to two-fifths, another one three-fifths, another one four-fifths. And it's like, nope, we own you. So we, 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 we've got to build with wisdom. Joseph actually created the very system that enslaved his own people years later. Wow. Um, but he, he did it under a benevolent dictator. He, we've got to build with foresight now because dictate, whoever leads us democratically or whatever, they're going to change. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to build our own unwavering systems that can't be shaken by the whims of the world. You know, the Bible calls it Zion, the city made without human hands, which I believe is God's wisdom and revelation upon the believers. Wow. Brother, that is that is some powerful stuff here. And I, I, you can't see all this stuff, but I took, I took notes of everything that you were saying. And I know that um, I'm gonna have to go through this stuff again, because Whenever you, whenever people are talking about the future, whenever people are talking about this is what I feel God's saying for the next year, you know, this is the time of year that we're, I mean, literally I'm gathering a, a lot of these messages from what God is saying. And a lot of it's encouraging and um, some of it is, is challenging. But what you've just laid out is very apostolic and it's prophetic and apostolic and it's a plan for us to move forward. And I love how you said that we need to partner with the prophets to be able to put these things into practice so that we will see the provision being uh, being being a reality. And yeah. it's a it's something that, you know, very practical of what we can do. And um, I, I know that this is going to force me to be praying more about what what I can do and how we can how we can get ready for that next season. That is, a, that is ahead of us. So, brother, thank you so much for sharing this. And I, I just would like to ask you to pray for those that have been watching and listening to this, oh. um, that, you, that there would just be a release uh, in their lives. Yes. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those watching this right now. Lord, prophecy is not supposed to incite fear. It's supposed to awaken us to find solutions. Lord, I ask you... There, there may be a feeling of, wow, this is a lot to take in. Father, I ask you, put one step in front of the other, in front of your people right now. You said the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Begin to order each step. Lord, we know that 
we could do nothing without you. Let's in our heart, we boast and say the power of our strength has gained us this wealth. Lord, wealth, resources, the power to create it comes from you. So, Lord, we acknowledge that. We acknowledge divine opportunities. We acknowledge time and chance that happened to all of us. We acknowledge divine favor and, and connections to people that only you can bring about. So, Lord, I pray for divine serendipities. I pray for divine moments stumbling into favor in 2024. Lord, favor is what happens with good understanding. The Bible says good understanding gives favor. So, Lord, I pray release wisdom, understanding, and knowledge onto the body of Christ at large. Bless charisma. Bless their ministry, their organization, begin to lift it up in the earth as a force of change. And Lord, we pray that at the end of this, we can truly partner with you and say, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And finally, I pray for America. Lord, I pray right now during its turbulent season, where it's trying to figure out which way it wants to go, bring about a merciful, severe course correction, a merciful, severe course correction for America. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right. Apostle Tomi Arayomi, thank you so much for sharing this wisdom that God has has imparted into you uh, with our audience. And uh, brother, we bless you. and We look forward to hearing more of what God has to say through you. Amen. Thank you.